As consumers, we are bombarded by it at every turn, like the Incredible Hulk being bombarded by gamma rays. But what makes some media endure, while others are banished to the forgotten black hole of obscurity, never to be heard from again? Who or what decides this? Hetero life mate Steve and Yehel want to know, and they want to know now. This is Obscurity Now. now, now, now. And what's up, Obscurians? It's time for another episode of Obscurity Now, the show that takes a look at weird and almost forgotten pieces of media, and then we decide if they should be remembered for all of human history or tossed into the black hole of obscurity, never to be heard from again. My name is Steve, and with me, he's known as the most irredeemable man I've ever met. It's... It is. Yeah, hell, I thought you were going to say the most irredeemable man at the castle. But, uh, <laughs> there, there's plenty There's plenty of people there far more irredeemable mm-hmm, than me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, How are you doing, Steve? It's been, it's been so long. I've yearned for your company, <laughs> for your opinions on obscure media. I, I'm glad I, I, I get to be in the presence, the effervescent presence that is. Yeah, and I uh, couldn't today. help but notice you're wearing the same shirt as uh, last week. I mean, come on, buddy. What do you have, a whole closet full of those? Yeah. I've been depressed and missing you ever since, and I just didn't want to change because I didn't want the the digital Steve smell to go away. <laughs> oh, that's uh, that's very confusing. Uh, thank you, I think. Um, but uh, speaking of uh, irredeemable, well, I'm trying to gas you up now, as the kids say, uh, because I, I think I think you might be upset with me as we begin to review. Uh, this comic and that book. comic book is the Irredeemable Ant-Man uh, number one. And I definitely uh, have a confession to say that uh, this is definitely one of those episodes where I'm just like, I wonder what Yehel will think of this one. Uh, because I don't know anyone who's ever even uh, read uh, the Irredeemable Ant-Man. I think maybe my roommate at the time uh, read it and enjoy it. Well... Not not to get too ahead of ourselves, but I mean, your email uh, about it uh, sure made it clear that you're a fan of this issue, this comic mm-hmm. book. Uh, so I, I do already kind of know your feelings mm-hmm. on this. And uh, th- this may be the uh, the end of our friendship. Uh, <laughs> hey, well, <laughs> if our friendship slash uh, podcast partnership like didn't end when you revealed on air that you hate Pulp Fiction and Quentin Tarantino, then... I don't think it's going to end because you don't like irredeemable Ant-Man. That's a good point. Uh, And, you you know, maybe like Quentin Tarantino and Rob Liefeld should get together because, you know, Quentin Tarantino, I think it's well known. He has a foot mm -hmm, fetish, mm -hmm. right? And Rob Liefeld can't draw feet very well (laughs) in most cases. So maybe if they combined their their talents, Mm -hmm. uh, they could be a normal man. You know, uh, it's uh, funny that, uh, you know, you mentioned uh, Rob Liefeld, which we're big fans, of course. Um, we really, we genuinely yeah. are. You know that uh, that AI site, uh, Mid Journey? Well, yeah. I guess a lot of those uh, sites in general, they have a real hard time with hands. And I was just like, is yep. Rob Liefeld behind this? <laughs> <laughs> if they had a hard time with feet, because I mean, he's okay with hands from what I remember. They're just, he just does a lot of the same, like his hands are just always kind of doing right, this. Right, right. Like with, they're out front and right in front. Yeah, exactly. And of course, there's the soulless look in their eyes. But hey, it's getting better uh, every... Hey, but their teeth are beautiful. <laughs> right. No one, no one draws teeth or pouches better <laughs> yeah. than Rob. And again, we really are fans of Rob. We are. He, we, we just, 
pick on him because he's got like a a very distinct art style. And honestly, there's so many other artists whose art style is like so like they're good artists, but it's like not very distinct. So it's like even hard to like make fun right. of it, if, if that makes kind of sense. Whereas his, you know, because it's distinct, there's like stuff that can, you can easily point to. As a Rob Liefeld. Oh, or absolutely. God, why do I always talk about him as if he's like right behind me? <laughs> he's everywhere, him. man. He's everywhere. Okay, so enough about Rob. A giant metallic gun. <laughs> <laughs> he's just a giant walking pouch. Um, so that's how you feel about Rob. And uh, longtime listeners know how we feel about Rob. But what do you feel or how do you feel? about uh, Walking Dead creator and also writer of the Irredeemable Ant-Man, Robert Kirkman. What do you think? Have you ever read any of his comics? Yeah, yeah. I've read a couple Walking Dead. Uh, actually, more than a couple. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say maybe the first time I read Walking Dead was in Orlando when we were That's living together. Highly possible. I feel like you had. I think I'm going to borrow a few issues from mm-hmm. you maybe or something like that. Um I mean, I liked it. I didn't know what was going mm-hmm. on because I was kind of like lost. But uh, yeah, I mean, he's fine, I guess. Like, I, I don't I have anything negative to say. I've never read. Well, I don't want to say I've never read anything of his I don't like. But... Did you did you watch or read uh, Invincible? No. And I know that you've been on me to uh, do mm-hmm. it. I, I need to. And I remember because I, I read the, uh, the final like page of the book where he's like, you know, did his I don't know, his letter to the fans or whatever. And he brought up Invincible. I was like, oh, yeah. (laughs) Well, I mean, if you don't feel like, you know, reading the, I think it's like 100 plus, maybe just 100 issues, the the Amazon Prime show is uh, really good. Um, But yeah, that's what I want to do. I want to watch the Amazon Prime show. I'm just, I'm trying to get through this uh, old 80s anime called Legend of the Galactic Heroes Mm -hmm. right now. Uh, It's very good, but it's only available subtitled and it's very very complex show with a lot of characters. So it's taken me a while to get through the 110 episodes. I mean, is that something that we should cover at some point? I don't think we could because like episode one is (laughs) like people sitting around really. (laughs) There is a lot of that to Mm -hmm. be honest. I mean, there's some like space fight and stuff, but I mean, it's just like kind of introducing the world. Like I I feel like you can't really even like really start talking about it till you've watched like at least the first 10 Ah, episodes. One of those, one of those. Well, uh, well, it, it's like it treats like the first ten episodes like like a, like a movie hmm. basically. So all right, well, but it's very good, very. Maybe very I'll good, check like, it out. I have been looking for a new uh, anime, uh, but for now, there now there is there is it's only available on this streaming service I had never heard of before called High Dive, mm-hmm. which is like this anime streaming service. <laughs> the, but there's like the anime service for right? divers. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> do you like snorkeling and anime and tentacle porn? <laughs> well, do we have the streaming service mm-hmm. for you? But uh, there is like a reboot of it that's going on right now um, as well. And I watched like a few episodes of that. But then I was just kind of like, ah, I really want to get the original experience because it's it's considered one of the greatest anime. Man, of all time. I can't believe I've never and, heard it. Oh, man, that's. Yeah, I'm about halfway through. I'm like at episode 48. And I will say I could definitely see it ending as one of the best anime if not the best and one I've ever what seen. genre is it it's uh it's like a space opera but that's really just like the set dressing uh-huh. um it's about like politics it's about how power I mean, is there are there people. mechs in it's it a... or no. oh hmm. interesting well uh yeah i'll definitely have to take a, a look at it, it... 
It's like Battlestar Galactica, the reboot, but more complicated and with way more. Well, hopefully it has a better ending than that show. Uh, Not that I I don't think that's a high. (laughs) But uh, yeah. So why are you ready to jump into uh, the Irredeemable Ant-Man number one? All right. Welcome to your feature presentation. All right, let's see. Okay, Irredeemable Ant-Man number one was released uh, December 2006. There are uh, 12 issues. I mean, have you, did you remember this when I brought it to your attention that this existed? I, I never read it, but like when you said the title, like I, re- I was like, oh yeah, I remember like yeah, about I'll- it. Because I, I, I feel like it was a big deal that Kirkman was mm-hmm. writing it. Uh, well, it was a big deal uh, to me because I've always been, a, as I said, a big fan of uh, Robert Kirkman. Um, like, did you see the latest Ant-Man movie? Have you seen those movies? What are your, what are you, what is your history with Ant-Man? <laughs> I mean, I saw the first Ant-Man movie, um, maybe even the second mm-hmm. one, actually. I'm not really sure. But I'm like three movies behind or so in the MCU in general. Like, I need to watch the... Uh, last doctor strange movie and i haven't watched anything from there forward so like doctor strange black panther 2 and ant-man i haven't watched. yeah i'm not i'm not watching any of those oh or the last Thor movie. <laughs> those those look awful you don't need to watch them <laughs> yeah but steve you, you you go in with a different mindset to those movies than, than than i do i think like i wouldn't pay to go see them in a theater like i don't think it's worth that anymore uh but you got a few hours at home to kill and you're looking for like dumb action you know, fun movie, you know, you just can't look into it too deep. Right. Well, I mean, yeah, I've, if I have like a lazy Saturday to kill, I might throw one of them on there, but, uh, yeah, I mean, you're, that's one way of looking at it, uh, for sure. But, uh, I mean, but are you familiar with like, uh, you know, Ant-Man, the comic character, you know, I was one of the, yeah. Oh, sure. Sure. All right. I mean, I yeah. do like that first Ant-Man movie, and the second one was okay. Uh, I hear this third one is not very good, um, but uh, maybe one day I'll watch it and actually decide for myself. Um, but I, I, what I've what I've heard is that it's just very uh, by the numbers. Mm-hmm. Like it's not bad. It's not good. It's it's fine. Like you'll have like it has some like nice set pieces and some fun action. Here and there, but you're not gonna like go away and be like, "Oh wow," you know. Right. Um, I, I think a lot of the problem too with these Marvel movies uh, is that they're so long. You know, mm-hmm. whether they're good or bad, they're always like two and a half hours. Sometimes it's like all movies these and, days. Um, well, and to me, it's like you know, if they would just like shrink these down to like an hour, <laughs> see what I mean? Uh, shrink these down to like an hour and a half to two hours you know uh i think people would enjoy them a lot more and you could kind of like hide some of the not so great scripts a little bit that's just my opinion (laughs) or they could just write a good script but you know whatever uh right but since that's not gonna happen (laughs) i don't don't know i mean hopefully disney will uh, are gonna clean up their act here since they seem to keep losing money But, but um but Steve, they're not losing. Money. Uh, uh, but Steve, like you're, you're. They may not, maybe in some areas of the business they're not making as much money as they could be, but they're not losing. Money. Yeah, all right. I mean, you're probably um, right. Um, but uh, 
wouldn't you say, Steve, I mean, because you're a filmmaker, like a lot of, you know, the movie gets done in the edit. Sure. And you could you can take like a mediocre film and you can edit or, or you know, any piece of media and you can edit it into something better. Mm-hmm. So I, I just I think a lot of it is like they just need to edit. Well, better. there's there's that. And also a lot of just sort there's a lot of you know corporate fingers in the pot. And I'm sure a lot of people are like, well, we got to have this person in there and that person in there. There's too many cooks in the yes, kitchen, probably. One hundred percent. So just for a little, uh, right, but anyway, yeah, just for a little information <laughs> about the original Ant Man, he was uh, created by Stan Lee, Larry Lieber, and uh, Jack Kirby. And of course, the original Ant Man is. Is this like actually created by Stan Lee, or is this one of these? Stanley was just like walking into the room when two other people were creating. Well, it. I mean, we weren't there, so we don't really know. <laughs> but you know yeah, what yeah, mean. but he's on there. <laughs> uh, credited as uh, created by, and uh, of course, the original Ant Man is uh, Hank Pym. Uh, I think you know most people know uh, Scott Lang from the movies, who was the um, Ant Man after him, and then the irredeemable Ant Man, who we are going to be uh, reading today, is uh, Eric O'Grady. And then after him, I've never heard of this person, Zane Ashgar. I, I don't know. If uh, Look it up yourself. I don't know who that is. <laughs> that sounds like if they were trying to do like a reboot of, I don't know, like Metal Gear in the mid-2000s, mm-hmm. and they wanted to give him a new edgy name, that would be like his <laughs> <Right>. name. <laughs> yeah, or 90s, yeah, for sure. And Ant-Man's first uh, appearance was Tales to Astonish, uh, number 27, all the way back in January of 1962. And, of course, he's one of the founding members uh, of the Avengers. He's right there in, uh, in Avengers number one. And, uh, yes, yeah, so um, jumping into the irredeemable Ant-Man. Um, let me get my notes here. Um, uh, here's a synopsis, basically, for that series. And it goes like this. Eric O'Grady is a low-level Irish agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. who stumbles upon Dr. Henry Hank Pym's latest incarnation of the Ant-Man suit in the S.H.I.E.L.D. headquarters. A man of very few morals with a willingness to lie, cheat, steal, and manipulate in order to get ahead in life, O'Grady immediately steals the armor of his own, for his own selfish plans, which include using his status as a superhero to stalk women and facilitate his thievery. <laughs> and uh, the um, main creators of the Irredeemable Ant-Man are uh, previously mentioned Robert Kirkman, who, uh, just in case you've been living under a rock, he created Walking Dead, Invincible. Some of his newer stuff include uh, Firepower, and he's pretty well known for uh, the Marvel Zombies line. Uh, I think people even forget that he actually worked for Marvel because he's so uh, synonymous with image these days, he kind of uh, qu- quit right. and then like wrote this big manifesto on how like you know you should not work for the big two and just uh, create your own uh, comics. Which I mean, it certainly worked out well for him. <laughs> I can't say how it's going for the rest of us, but uh, anyway. <laughs> uh, so the pen- yeah, it's very uh, uh, much like a rich person telling somebody, ah, don't be poor. Right. But it's on uh, it's on record that I mean, he was I mean, he was a dirt poor creator for a long time, just swimming in debt until finally, you know, he just got lucky. And, uh, you know, Walking Dead hit uh, and Invincible hit. Uh, So uh, good for him. Uh, And the artist on Irredeemable Ant-Man is uh, Phil Hester. 
And I mean, he's worked for Marvel, Dynamite, and Image on such titles as uh, Namor. Uh, again, Robert Kirkman's uh, Fire Breather, which is a great comic uh, about like martial arts and like kung fu and dragons and stuff. And uh, Green Arrow. And I'll just uh, briefly go over some of the other creators. Uh, the inker was one uh, Andy Parks. Colorist is Bill Crabtree. Letters is Russ Wooten. And of course, the publisher of the Irredeemable Ant-Man is uh, Marvel. And if you want to know about some of those other people, Google is your friend. Um, so uh, anything else before we uh, jump into the Irredeemable Ant-Man here? Yeah, let's, uh, let's get into it. All right. Um, oh, I hate you. Okay, let me make sure things are looking good here. All right, there we go. So on our very uh, first page here, it's a nighttime in a very... Uh, oh, you didn't cover the cover. Oh, um, my mistake. Uh, I don't know. This cover is uh, not all that swell, but um, yeah. So... That's <laughs> how <laughs> so we just get that. I hate yeah. this cover. All right, so... Um, but I hate it because... <laughs> It has nothing to do with the issue. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a. It's supposed to give you, I guess, an idea. Like basically, the cover here is. Um, it's like a mountain of like pretty big name. Um, Marvel supervillains. You got uh, Modok here and Rhino, mm-hmm. um, Loki, <laughs> even Thanos. And at the very tip, tippy yeah. top, I think Galactus's hand is even in there. Yeah, that, that's what I was going to ask you. If that's supposed to be Galactus. Yeah, and at the very uh, tippy top is. Maybe a is the irredeemable ant-man and he's still like a, you know in small form and he's saying ah 23 supervillains and not one wallet so they're um trying to give you the sense that you know that the uh, ant-man here is of a questionable character what do you think of the um of the cover here I foolishly assumed that maybe he would be taking on some of these mm. villains. <laughs> they would be somehow involved. Mm. Uh, I, I, I'm not a fan of this cover. Um, I just don't think it um, does anything. It's it, it's weird to ha- I I get that it's Ant Man, mm-hmm. right? But it's also weird to have your character, at least in issue one, be so small on the cover. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I get it. it it's Ant Man, uh, so I mean, it, it kind of makes sense. I just. I like you said. I don't think it stands out or anything. This might have been like a fun little like final splash page at the back or a back cover or something like that, or an alternate cover. But for a main cover, eh, I think it's kind of weak and misleading. Yeah, I mean, I actually agree with you. That's why I I use like the cover from the trade paperback for the thumbnail and not this. I think if you're looking at it like in the comic shop, then you're like, oh, ha, he it's Ant Man. He beat up all these villains. Ha ha. Um, I mean, I, I don't think there's, I don't think you're supposed to think that they're actually going to show up in this issue, <laughs> like maybe later on in the series, but, um, but yeah, maybe a little bit misleading uh, for sure. So uh, anyway, uh, turning the page here. All right. We are in, it's nighttime and it's in like a bad part of the city. And uh, this man or you know, thug, if you will, is uh, robbing this woman um and uh he's all yeah you want to give up the purse before or after i take a look at what else is on the menu um and he's basically threatening her and um out of nowhere he uh, falls and then the the stupid um thug is like i'm gonna kill you 
and then like more stuff happens to him. You get a crack and then a thud. And then he's basically laid out on the ground bleeding. And then all of a sudden the uh, lady's purse starts floating. And uh, I guess, you know, you can see what's going on here. The Erdema Lampman says, your purse. And so, and then he, I guess, enlarges himself to the regular size and says, go ahead, take it. It's yours. I didn't put a bomb in it or anything, which is kind of a weird thing to say to someone who whose life you well what a great way to make somebody think you put a bomb yeah. in it <laughs> <laughs> right right and then of course the lady is all where did you come from how did you and uh he's like uh, i'm ant-man i can get really small and stuff um and uh then he ex- explains how his strength works i think everybody knows how ant-man's powers work at this point um and he's she's like you saved my life i don't know how to thank you and then he's like, I've got an idea. How about you let me buy you dinner tonight? And she's really? Are you serious? Um, okay, I guess. And basically, uh, he tells her, you know, the um, this fancy restaurant to meet at. And then she's like, are you going to be wearing uh, the Ant-Man costume? Or no, he says, I'll be the one wearing the Ant-Man costume. That's how you'll recognize me. And she's like, really? And that's basically the end of our uh, cold open. What were your thoughts at this point, Yehel Velasquez? Uh, <laughs> well, I, I, it was it was okay. It was fine. It was pretty generic uh, comic book issue one kind of opening thing. Like, didn't we see the same thing in like Shadowhawk? Pretty similar opening. Yep. But, you know, that's a classic. By the same token, it's a classic comic book like introduction to your heroes. So I'm okay with it. Um, it was fine. The, the, I'm sorry, Steve. You look at your itch and it's. I was going to say, but unlike Shadowhawk and your sort of classic, you know, superhero opening, which it definitely is, there's a swerve at the end. The superhero, the typical superhero, goes, "It's okay, madam. Doing good is its own reward." But now, old crazy old Eric O'Grady, you know, he's desperate to hook up. So he's like, um, how about I buy you dinner? Go on a date with me because I'm a sleaze bag. And that didn't, uh... Yeah, it's definitely like, you know, it's like that Dennis Reynolds, uh thing from sunny mm-hmm. and it's always sunny where he's like oh she can't say no because of the implication <laughs> you know oh man you nailed it yeah yeah for sure but uh it also like i was a little worried because i was like this ant man so far and again it's only a couple pages but i was like worried that he was going to be a little deadpoolish mm-hmm. um but uh you know i can tell you like the one thing though that really stuck out to me in a negative way right off the bat was the art oh yeah i was gonna ask I'm you what you think of phil hester's art I, I'm not a fan uh, of the art in this book at all. Um, and what specifically? I'm, I'm also not a fan of. So what sorry? specifically do you not like about it? I don't know because it's subjective, mm-hmm. right? So I mean, I don't want. I'm not going to say the guy's like a bad artist, but uh, I don't like the way he does faces. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of them, like have like this crow magnum. I, I can see that for sure. Um, there's a lot of like really sharp edges mm-hmm. to it. It kind of reminds a little bit of like, a, not, not as severe, but like a little bit of Sam Keith a little bit, um, at times to me, heavy shadows. To me, it's like, um, almost like sort of, uh, that style of, uh, like Batman, the animated series almost like leaning towards that. I could see that a little, yeah, I could see that mm-hmm. a little bit, like a lot of angular mm-hmm. kind of, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, lines in it. And I don't know. I don't want just because I don't like it doesn't mean it's bad. You know, it's just not for me. And and a lot of it's more like 
the way he does people, like the way he did like the buildings and stuff and everything that's not a person was mm-hmm. fine. Uh, but I'm just not a fan of the way he does people, I guess. Um, I gotcha. I mean, I will say that his style is uh, is an acquired taste uh, for sure. Uh, to me, it's like Rob Liefeld. <laughs> you know, it's 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 distinct. Right, right. It, yeah, to me, it almost leans more towards like animation. This almost feels like kind of sense. like an adult cartoon almost. Um, but uh, yeah, I could see moving that. on. Uh, so whoops, I need to fix this. All right, so now we get so. All right, that being said, we now get a massive two-page spread of the S.H.I.E.L.D. helicarrier. I mean, this looks pretty awesome, right? There's one thing that doesn't... The, the art is fine. Again, the people on the, the Mr. Freeze's floating... I'm not <laughs> Those are like S.H.I.E.L.D. agents, you bastard. And, <laughs> oh, excuse me. Uh, however, one thing, this began... Something else I didn't like about this book visually is uh, the coloring mm-hmm. on a lot of these pages... Like, it's, like, just variations of the same color, and it all kind of blends together. Like, everything on here is, like, a bluish gray, basically, on this page. Just about everything. Um, and there's quite a few panels like mm. that. And I don't know. Like, that really, I don't know. To me, it just made it look a little drab or whatever. It's not like that in every panel, but there's quite a few where it's just, like, lots of the same color and just different, just slightly different hues or shades of it. yeah. But the art here looks mm-hmm. cool, I will say. Yeah, I think uh, maybe what they're going for, and this is just a speculating, is like, yeah, it's like, this is an adult cartoon, but they were, we're going to co- color it like a, uh, I don't know, like a, almost like... Like a Zack Snyder DC Universe Yeah, movie. I was going to say like a noir or something, like a cr- crime movie or something like that. Like a bluish... Yeah. Like... Yeah, like a bluish hazed, um, what's the word? Like a LUT. Like you apply a LUT to something Ooh, look got, at you, like busting out the terminology. Uh, so. I'm a bit of an editor, Steve. <laughs> uh, what? Since when? Uh, no. Uh, so, yeah. So, we're looking at the shield helicarrier here. And um, basically, and then we turn the page, and now we are inside the helicarrier. We are with Eric O'Grady. He's, uh, this, obviously, this takes place in the past. He's playing uh, poker with a few other low-level S.H.I.E.L.D. agents. And he's basically spreading uh, misinformation about uh, Nick Fury. He's basically just saying, oh, uh, Nick Fury's a myth. Have you ever seen him? And, like, the other guys are like, oh, yeah, I think I uh, heard his voice once. And, you know, basically he's being that, you know, if you've ever had a you know retail job or corporate job or whatever, there's always that one person who's, like, spreading, like, rumors and stuff. And like that, there's the there's the one guy that's taking ancient aliens. <laughs> well, I mean, there's that guy, but then there's also like, ooh, did you hear about like who they're gonna fire or you know what thing they're gonna change at the Walmart oh, yeah, yeah. we're working at or something along those lines. And uh, I mean, I just thought that that was funny that that's basically who Eric O'Grady here is, like you know, just this lying uh, sociopath. And that's basically, I guess, just what they're they're trying to show here. Did you have any uh, yeah. comments about this page? Yeah, a lot of dialogue. That's why I'm uh, summarizing a lot, it. Mm-hmm. A lot of dialogue that I think this could have. I mean, I appreciate that they're like trying to establish these characters through their conversation. Mm. So, like, that's one thing I did appreciate here. Kirkman, rather than telling you, "Hey, this guy is a guy that bullshits people," you know, or makes stuff up. Like you're seeing it, they're showing it to you, right? Rather than having some guy say, hey, did you know that? Uh, it's Eric, right? Eric does says this kind mm-hmm. of crap. 
Um, I think it could have been done in like half the amount of words though. Uh, and again, these guys' uniforms is like so similar in color to like the background, like the base. Mm -hmm. And that like becomes an issue for me as it goes on. Um, so I don't know. I, I thought like the color, so there's some weird color choices. Right. Here, but uh, again, I appreciate that, like the way that they're showing mm -hmm. you who the characters are rather than just telling. Yeah, this uh, sort of era of Marvel, they were definitely going for sort of decompressed kind of uh, cinematic storytelling. So, I mean, you could really feel how this would be like a scene in a Marvel movie, basically, if they were ever going to make like a irredeemable am. Just to just talking about like the dialogue, basically. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're right. This is written more like a scene in a in a TV show mm -hmm. or movie. Than, than, and um, as for yeah, the coloring, like, yeah, I definitely see what you're talking about. But I mean, classically, that's like how the shield uniforms and the shield hel helicarrier look. Like, I don't know, maybe they could have made the backgrounds darker so the characters. But aren't like the shields costume usually like black? It, it's usually a dark blue, like a navy dark blue. Um, uh... Okay, well, I mean, he could have like made. But there's other things you can do. Like you could like add like a poster on the wall. Like like there's other ways you can add color to it. A plant, uh, you know, a TV with something on it. A computer, uh, you know, at a desk. Like there's other ways you can add right. color. Right. I'm I'm with uh, you. But I mean, just to counter that, like I mean, I, all right. I've obviously neither of us have ever served in the military, but um, you know, I I would only imagine since the shield helicarrier is like basically like a floating battleship you know, the quarters for all of like the low level sailors and stuff, they're probably not allowed to have like posters and cool shit and stuff like that. It's all very drab, you know, government issue, like, you know, very bare bones uh, stuff. Fine. Have a, have a desk with a computer. Uh, like, <laughs> no. Like I said, there's it'll be used for porn. Damn have it. Different things on that desk. <laughs> all right. Yeah. I, I get what you're saying. Uh, you know, like, like there's a, there, it, I mean, a window, there could be a mm. window. I gotcha. I gotcha. Well, what do you think about this idea? Like, I don't know if this is like the first time this has ever happened in like Marvel history, but like just the idea of exploring um, the low level ranks of shield. Like, what do you think about that premise, that idea? Oh yeah. I mean, that's cool. I mean, it's obviously stolen from Star Trek Lower Decks. <laughs> this but, came uh... out way before that. No, no, no. There's a TNG episode called Lower Decks that the TV show Lower Decks is based off of. I mean, it's possible. Uh... It's possible. And <laughs> just kidding. I'm sure Star Trek didn't do that first. But yeah, yeah, I, I, I actually do like that. Mm. Uh, I think it's always cool to see like their point of view uh, when that's done. I, I got to be honest, I don't think it's done super great here uh, just because there's so much dialogue. Mm. Like I wasn't expecting a second page <laughs> of a ton of dialogue, uh, you know, with these guys again. And in the second page, it looks even more drab. Uh, this is blue and gray, blue yeah, and gray, blue and gray. Uh, again, they just wanted to try to keep it as simple as pop again, to try to make it be like an adult anime, almost like an adult swim show or something. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I, maybe it works. Maybe it doesn't. Uh, but, uh, yeah, on the, on the next page, the game ends and one of the other more senior, uh, shield guys, his name is Mitch. He tells Eric that he owes him some money. And then the uh, other agent tells Eric to be careful on his way back to his room because you never know what might be on the loose on the shield uh, helicarrier. Um, but, uh, yeah, like, I guess the important thing here is that uh, Eric is like, oh, I, um, you know, I owe 
owed you money just once and you want, you know, get off my back, blah, blah. It's just basically to show that, again, he's a, a questionable character. So uh, right. moving on. And now we are in uh, Dr. Pym's uh, lab. And uh, the Ant-Man suit is like suspended um, sort of from the ceiling. And another uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. guy comes in and he's just like, oh, I didn't know you were still still here. This is all paraphrasing um, and yada, yada, yada. They're basically just showing that, you know, it, traditionally uh, Hank Pym has been known as a guy who's more obsessed with his work, you know, ignoring the wasp and her sexual needs. <laughs> and that's basically what what happens here is that um, he missed all the transports back to. Uh, you know, back to the land, and the guy's like, shall I prepare your room for you, Dr. Doctor Pym? And he's like, yes. Uh, boy, the wasp is going to be pissed that I didn't, that I chose my work over her again. Blah, blah, blah. Um, any comments about this page? Uh, no, it was fine. Uh, again, not a huge fan of the colors here. That's mm. about it. But I did appreciate, see, this is what I'm talking about. This guy that comes in to talk to mm. Pym, his outfit's black. Um, I mean highlighted stuff that's what i thought like shield guys but then again the other guys aren't really like like they work for shield but they do surveillance so like there's they're not like your typical but look agents. in the third panel uh where the light is hitting the guy and it's clearly light blue highlights yeah but his outfit's like mostly black with the blue highlights i think those are just like hi do highlights on his blue outfit anyway it doesn't matter <laughs> I, either way like i just felt like they they at least gave him some contrast here Yes. Uh, although, ironically, this guy is against the white background. Half the right. Time, and but, I think uh, um, he's got those like straps on him. I think that helps with the contrast as well. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. Moving on. OK, so now we are back uh, with um, it's the next day. Eric is being uh, woken up by his friend, Agent McCarthy. They're late for their surveillance tests. Uh, we see uh, McCarthy's uh, girlfriend, uh, Veronica. Like she asks if they are uh, still on for the night. She in some panels she looks like the Baroness from GI Joe. She's got that black yes. hair. <laughs> um, I was gonna say the mm -hmm, same thing, but obviously uh, not as attractive as the regular Baroness. Like the again, depending on which panel you see her in, which angle. Oh, I see, you, Steve. You you you're not sexually attracted to this well, lady, to Veronica, but the Baroness. <laughs> <laughs> But it's it's which, is it supposed to be Veronica from Archie or the Baroness? Which one is it? I, that's the that's the other one I was gonna say. But I know we had talked about Reggie last issue. <laughs> hey. uh, although this guy looks a little bit like Reggie that she's talking to at the bottom, yeah. uh, second to last. What panel, is it but... with you know black haired people always get the supporting roles in comic books? It seems like <laughs> I don't know, Steve. You you, you don't. See you as a. I, I guess you have like a dirty blonde kind of hair. I guess you don't know the pain I go through as a. Oh wait! Oh wait! Now okay. that you mention it, I mean Eric has red hair just like Archie. Oh my God! Mind blown! <laughs> oh, oh! I, oh! I thought Eric was supposed to be blonde. no, no. He's supposed to be Irish. All Irish. No, no. But you'll hair. you'll see in the other panels that he has red hair. Um, oh, so okay. uh, anyway. By the way, Steve, is it important that he's Irish? Like, like I'm just genuinely asking. Does is that like? come up like important to the story because i know it was in the description nope. was no nope i don't know why but uh all right so they go um it's kirkman in irish last I, night it doesn't sound like it but he, he looks like he might be oh i thought you were all about this i mean this i don't kirkman know guy. everything about his private life and lineage and stuff um but uh oh, anyway so excuse me steve you said you were a big fan <laughs> yeah 
You said you were excited when you heard he was writing this book. I just, uh, I guess I misunderstood. I just care about his professional work. Not, I'm not a stan here. I'm not like stalking Robert Kirkman, although I wouldn't mind having his career uh, or even working for him. Skybound, if you're listening, I'm available. Hire me to do something, anything. <laughs> and, and, and Steve, it won't take two pages to say what could be said in five pages. I'm very lazy. I mean, no, no, it's, uh, it's decompressed. Efficient. Yeah, efficient. There you go. So basically, the important part of this page is that they're about to take their tests, and we see that uh, Eric has a girlfriend named Veronica. Moving on, now we're back with uh, um, Dr. Pym, and he's gathered these... Talking to the shield yeah, here. They've got uh, four... Um, <laughs> able-bodied uh, shield agents uh what no no i mean this looks like the shield from wwe oh yeah man it does like that looks like very roman reigns ish at the far ah, right i wonder if they I were mean, even uh, a thing when this book came out um 2012 uh i mean i'll google it but i, I think they were already hmm. around uh you, you you keep reading okay I'll, uh, so I'll basically out. he tells these four agents and one of them is Mitch from earlier that um, they're going to test out the new Ant-Man suit that he was um, hired by the S.H.I.E.L.D. agents or the S.H.I.E.L.D. agency to make. But he only needs one. Now we are in the cafeteria. Um, Eric, um, you know, says to um, McCarthy, Chris, I believe his first name is like, so I didn't know you had a thing for Veronica. And uh, he's like, oh, we just had a first date. Veronica asked uh, me out. Uh, what are you jealous? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I am jealous. Of course I am. And so uh, Chris is like, well, what happened to you and that other girl you were seeing from weapons storage? And he's like, oh, that's ancient history, pal. That's been over for at least two weeks. I probably lied to her one too many times. Plus, I sold the mess guys some pictures of her. <laughs> so a real... Uh, Outstanding up, human being here. Um, it, yeah, and, and to get back, uh, this is pre the Shield because the Shield debuted in 2012, and this debuted in 2006. Well, there you go. Um, so someone, so maybe the Shield was ripped off. The look was ripped off of here. This one. There panel. you go. <laughs> and uh, all right, so now uh, it's evening in uh, Eric's room, and uh, uh, Chris McCarthy is playing Xbox at Eric's, and he's like, uh, "Hey, you're late for your date." Um, oh, okay, I gotta go. So now they're in, I guess they have a hydroponics area on the Shield helicarrier, which, I mean, this is the first I've heard of it, but why wouldn't they, right? And uh, basically they're having a nice date, and um, uh, the important information here is that uh, they've actually been going out for a long time. It's just uh, Chris, he didn't want to make uh, Eric angry uh, for some reason. I mean, I guess it's just, it's based, all of this is just to show that um eric is a sociopath a jealous sociopath i guess yeah, so eric's had a thing for veronica mm. and they don't want to hurt his... yep um so uh moving on unless you have anything to add about this page nope and then the next page is a lot of dialogue <laughs> once again i'm sorry you don't Ooh. like reading <laughs> i don't mind reading but i just again i just feel like they too many this could have been like sh shortened like this is a lot of words for what they actually get across. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's true. Um, it is a lot of words, and um, yeah, basically, he. I think they're trying to sort of paint a picture of what life is like on the Shield helicarrier. Uh, Chris is talking about how he um, saw someone who looked because yeah, they're basically talking about what else is going on in the Marvel universe at the time, which I uh, barely remember. 
he talks about seeing like uh, Tony Stark with his melted face or something like that. Like, I, I really have no idea what was going on at this time. But basically, the important part here is that uh, McCarthy tells Veronica he's had a soft spot for superheroes, and then they decide to go have sex. That's basically it. Um, Apparently, that's all they have in yeah, common. Like from the conversation. No, it's true. I mean, right? No. That's kind of like what's alluded right. To. That's the that also is an important. Uh, I, don't, I don't think these two are going to like that. <laughs> so, uh, so now it is the next day back at the uh, surveillance center, and Eric is trying to get details about his date with Veronica. Um, he refuses to tell Eric anything because you know Chris, I guess, is just the the gentleman here or a decent person. Then Agent Mitch uh, shows up and he pulls Eric and um, Chris to stand in for some guards because I guess they're they're shorthanded uh, with guards here <laughs> at this point in Shield's uh, long illustrious um, career. And so he basically just hands them. The, he, they're all like, oh, we're not security guards. But he's like, ah, if you want to get in my good graces, you're going to do what I say. Um, so he basically hands them some guns. And now they're standing in front of a door. Uh, anything to add about any of that? Uh, I kind of hate that he doesn't explain what they're supposed to do. It's, it doesn't make any sense. Like if it's so important that he wants these guys, because he he's like, says like, hey, it's important that I get you know, somebody to cover as guards, mm -hmm. but he won't explain like what they're supposed to do. Well, see, I, I mean, uh, I could see it from that angle, but I could also see it as like, you know, these are low level rookies. This is a need to know basis. I mean, basically he even says that he just has to, they just have to look like their guards. So he doesn't look bad. So all I need you to do is stand there and do nothing. Like that's basically yeah, but he doesn't like tell them what to do if somebody comes in, if somebody comes out, like, and if so, if it's that important, and then I get that it's to like set up the scene in a couple pages, but it's like you could have still gotten there, and I don't know, I I just think it makes uh, who's the guy that's asking Mitch, to do this with his name, Mitch. I think it makes Mitch look dumb. Uh, it makes the guy Eric and the other guy look dumb for not asking him sooner. And like later, they realize, oh shit, we don't know what we're supposed to do. Like I think this makes everybody, every character. Look I, dumb. You know, I think that's actually the idea. I mean, Mitch is not without his flaws. Like also, um, yeah. I mean, these are all like low-level peons, and I guess you know, quote unquote, you know, real people. They're definitely not superheroes, and they care more about sort of their careers and like appearances than. Uh, but all the more reason to like give them like some detailed instructions, like if hey they don't do this normally, they're low level guys. I need to make sure they do exactly what I true, ask. True, true. So, so that, that's uh, when I ask people to guard <laughs> things for me. I could just see that at at your work. Uh, <laughs> but uh, here's a gun. Stand by this right, door. Right. Uh, we're at T-Mobile. <laughs> oh, oh, hey, I wasn't gonna say where it was, but uh, anyway. Um, so yeah, uh, Eric and Chris are standing guard by the door. Eric's trying to get more information about, uh, the, um, the date and uh, Chris just isn't, uh, budging. And, um, he's also asking all these questions. Um, uh, Chris is, no, Eric is, and it's making, um, Chris nervous and, uh, they're like, oh, we're totally screwed. This is a real Bill and Ted moment. I feel like. Um, and they're worried about getting discharged and losing their jobs. Then the door opens and, um, Eric freaks out and 
busts uh, Dr. Pym in the face with the butt of his gun, knocking him out. Whack. See, I think it would have been better if they had been given specific instructions, but Eric still like freaked out and did this. Like it would show you how he's a super fuck up. Right. Like you could, you could do that. Well, I mean, basically instructions were stand there and do nothing. But it shows that Eric overthinks it. He's like, he's asking questions that he doesn't need to be asking. And uh, yeah, I mean, it could work either way. And uh, so basically now we're at a weekend at Bernie's like scenario. Uh, although, of course, Dr. Pym isn't dead. And they're basically just trying to figure out um, what to do. And then they look over and they see the, um, the Ant-Man uh, suit. We turn the page. And uh, now they're like, oh, uh, well, that's pretty cool. And um, Chris goes over and just uh, touches it. And then it sort of just, I guess, magically decides to bond with him, um, for lack of a better term. Well, no, no, no. He purposely tried it on because Eric is telling him, hey, you should try oh, it on. Oh, yeah, you're right. You know? Okay. You know, I, I thought to. it was one of those things where you know, kind of like an anime where you just sort of touch it and then, but yeah, I see. No, no, no. Cause he even says like putting this thing on is the best decision. I right. Right. Make. You're right. I was just, uh, reading Which, too fast, I guess. And I hated this because in this situation, why would you do this? You think you're in trouble. Like you knock the guy, like it makes no well, sense. All right. Just to play devil's advocate. Okay. So obviously Eric is interested in the suit. So he's gonna, uh, suggest that his friend be the guinea pig for it, basically, and uh, and put it on. And I guess the idea is that Chris is very sort of gullible and just sort of uh, goes along with whatever. I mean, these are grown men, so I would say that there does need to be a little bit of suspension of disbelief. Because, like, like how bad is Shield at hiring people, though? Because this also makes Shield look very incompetent. They would I knew hire you were say that. such poor decision makers, <laughs> and these people are people doing surveillance. Mm-hmm. They're supposed to like say decide if something that they see it they should report or not. Like, I don't know. Man. Like, there, there's too many, too many holes here. Uh, too 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 many things that don't make sense. Yeah, I mean, it does take a little bit of suspension of disbelief, but um, yeah. So Chris is now in uh, the full Ant Man suit, and now uh, Eric is um, encouraging him to take it off so he can try it on. Uh, I guess he fidgets around, tries to take the helmet off, and then whoop. He accidentally uh, shrinks, and so Eric, of course, uh, panics and runs away. Hey, I'm sorry to cut you off, Steve, but do you feel like in the panel that, like, he shrinks? Because it's like in one panel, Ant-Man's, like, you know, doing some, trying to take the helmet off. In the next panel, he's just not there, and Eric is still looking in the exact same direction he was looking in in the other mm-hmm. panel. So don't do you think they should have like added some lines, like maybe some like streak lines or something showing the direction where he went? Because 100% because when I was writing my notes on this, I was just like, oh, he just ran away or disappeared or flew away or something. Yeah. And if you're I mean, I doubt anyone would pick this up that isn't already familiar with Ant-Man. But if you were unfamiliar with Ant-Man, you might be like, what? And maybe, and maybe that's what Kirkman was going. Maybe, maybe that is what they were going. Well, for. they wanted you to find out. Right. Later. Well, I think in the, um, you know, the regular sort of Ant Man comics or whatever, there is like some sort of like uh, the pin particles. Like they, they do something. Yeah. There's like some yeah. kind of visual. Yeah. There's cue, no visual right? cue here. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I'm with. 
and it's a different mm-hmm. suit too so i mean it, it doesn't need to do what the other suit did but i think for the reader at least in issue one it would have been good to have like some yes oh i i i agree yeah. with you because what makes it even more confusing is at the bottom the very last panel is somebody right. running and it's a full-size person and it looks just like uh, ant-man in the left panel mm. It just looks like, you know, it's different lighting. Right, right. Well, and so I was like, is Ant-Man running away or did he yeah. shrink? I, no, I, no. The same thing happened to me. I'm I'm with you 100%. I don't appreciate this Rob Liefeld-esque copy and paste <laughs> <laughs> expression. <laughs> These four second to last panels are just copy paste. Well, I'm interested to hear what you say about <laughs> this page, which really has nothing to do with the story. Um we're seeing um, Wolverine, and he's completely like uh, just eviscerating these uh, Shield agents. I guess it's supposed to show like what happened in the past, um, because uh, you see um, Dum Dum Dugan, who's the I guess the sub director of uh, Shield, and, and someone's asking him, "Do we really need all these uh, men?" And he's like, oh, if you saw the things Wolverine did while he was under Hydra's control, you'd request more men. Trust me, Mitch. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, what do you think of this full page spread of Wolverine here? I mean, I don't know. I have mixed feelings on it. I, I, it's definitely not necessary. I guess my biggest gripe with it is that in the upper left-hand corner, it says elsewhere mm-hmm. when it's, I guess, supposed to be sometime it in the It should be else when. Yeah. yeah, or just like X months mm-hmm. ago or, you know, previously in blah, blah, right, blah. Right, Yeah, that that was pretty confusing. So elsewhere makes it seem like it's happening in real mm-hmm. time just at another location, right? right? Yeah, that's... Uh... When that is actually the page yeah. after it. Yeah, so now we turn the page and we see that uh, they actually have a Wolverine and he's contained and they're just uh, transporting him somewhere. Um and uh but i mean regardless of the fact that it doesn't make sense uh it is a well rendered page wouldn't you say yeah yeah it's a cool visual uh and uh, i appreciated that they uh changed the colors slightly (laughs) (laughs) man you've got a no no no. there's some cool stuff here like it's very cinematic with the top Mm. panel you know, you could imagine a movie where, like, that's how it would open up, and then, you know, Wolverine would be coming down that ramp or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the little contraption that Wolverine is in is really cool looking. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that if it would really be practical, <laughs> but it looks cool. Right. You know, and it, it's a comic. You want stuff that of course, looks cool. So. 100%. Uh, so, yeah, basically, that's just, I don't know. This was just sort of a thing to show that they've got... Yeah, it was it was. Yeah, it's a, it's a nod to something else that's going on in the Marvel Universe at the time. And I assume it, maybe it comes back in other issues. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't really remember. But it, it's almost. It reminds me. Oh, it must have been great then if it's uh, that memorable. <laughs> hey man, we're talking. How many years has this been now? Fifteen years almost. It's almost twenty. So I don't know. But uh, it reminds me of when we were reading that uh, Spider-Man episode and uh, that whole sort of subplot of the of the guy. Um, the kid at the park and his teacher is trying to like save him from his dad. Do you remember that? And it had nothing to do with the story. Do you remember? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what happens when you read like uh, comics just completely out of context. Like sometimes you have n- yeah, that's no true. idea that's what's true. going on. So anyway, back to Eric O'Grady here. He's um, in his room. Um, 
He's uh, freaking out because, uh, you know, he knows he screwed up everything. And so in comes Mitch and he's all, what the hell did you do? And uh, he's like, Mitch, I don't know. I didn't know how to use the gun. So I bashed the scientist, blah, blah, blah. He tells him everything that he did. And then this is where he says that um, McCarthy disappeared. So uh, then I had to go back and change my notes. But anyway, so Mitch is like, oh, so Chris has the suit. He says like uh, he basically explains about the whole Ant-Man developing the suit thing, blah, blah, blah. And um, he says basically only a few other people know about this. So just stay here. Uh, Keep your mouth uh, shut. Um, and, um, yeah, before, and they better find Chris before someone else finds him. Uh, he also asks Mitch if, um, he was mad at him and Mitch says, let's just say somebody else's head is going to roll for this and it's not going to be mine. Like, do you think that was a threat towards Eric or he was talking about somebody else in the shield, um, organization? I I really couldn't tell what he meant. I didn't know. I don't. I don't know if he meant like Eric or right Chris gotcha. or yeah, same that. here. So he says. Uh, so yeah, just shut your mouth while he figures out what to do next. And so Mitch kind of looks like a balding Punisher uh, with that. his uh, yeah yeah he does. <laughs> um, and so now we're with um Chris in his Ant Man suit. He's hanging out in the ventilation system. Um. He says, oh, you know, he's thinking this. Oh, thanks for running out on me, Eric, you coward. Uh, when I find you, I'm going to crawl into your ear and punch your brain. Uh, you see him stumbling around in, like, the, the Ant-Man suit, like, doing stuff. And in the very last panel, he goes, this is being a superhero? This sucks. And Yeah, what is going on? Is the suit just, like, doing stuff on his own? And he's just like, whoa, yeah. is that is yeah, that Yeah, that's supposed that'd to be? Be my, that's what I thought it was. Um I mean, I, I really don't know any other purpose for this page other than to show that he's in the ventilation system, which pays off in a little bit. Um, but why did he go in the ventilation system? Um, other than to like have him overhear something later, over for other than like for that plot reason. So he doesn't get stepped on by it's, the shield agents. I wish he would have said something like. Ah, <laughs> uh, you got to read between the lines, man. <laughs> I, I mean, but like, I shouldn't have to create headcanon for like <laughs> why he's moving into the net. You, you know what I mean? Get it. I've never like, heard that expression before. That's uh, you never heard headcanon? No. Yeah, that's uh, well, I, I see it in Star Trek uh, forums all the time when people try to decipher m- most of the new Star Trek shows and why they did something. Mm-hmm. And that's always my response is like, well, we shouldn't have to figure out why they did something that's important to the plot. It's true. It's true. So Veronica um, catches up to Eric. It's been like uh, a few days and they still haven't heard. The next evening, like so much time has gone by. And this guy is just I mean, in the vents. I mean, I feel like you don't even need to like you didn't even need to show that he was going to be in the vents. Because if you're saying like a couple, it's been a whole other day, then you could be like, okay, he's been moving around and exploring. So I don't even think you needed to show that he went into the vents. Right. Another thing, another sort of plot hole you could point out here if you wanted to is like, you know, I this is to. a you know government area. If you don't show up for your job for one day, people are going to start calling. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah. I guess you could say that maybe Mitch is their like supervisor for back for lack of a better term. So maybe yeah. he's covering for them. But uh, yeah, that's just something to think about. Well, and they already know that they think like it, it, you know a couple of panels ago, a couple of pages ago. What's his face? Mitch mentions that 
Shield thinks a rogue agent stole the suit, so they already know the suit is. Yeah, missing. they're all, they're blaming those guys who were originally um, picked to be uh, to. But they can, but they can probably just go find those guys because they don't have the suit, and they're like just on right. the base. Yeah, a lot so. of these problems could be solved really quickly. Um, but uh, but we're going with it because because uh, it's fun, right? Uh, so uh, Veronica catches up to Eric, and basically. She's like, I haven't heard from Chris. Where is he? Any idea? And of course, he says, nope. Sorry, no clue. And after some prodding, um, Eric uh, admits that um, Chris is on or lies and says that he's on a top secret um, mission. And that's all he can say that he didn't make the cut. And so Veronica says, imagine that. And so we turn the page and um, this is where we see... um, uh, Ant-Man, a.k.a. Chris, uh, looking through the vents at uh, Veronica talking to Eric. And uh, Eric basically throws a little monkey wrench in Chris's uh, romantic um, endeavors by saying that he's been seeing some other... Um, actually, it's it's the girl that he broke up with, actually, now that I notice it. Yeah, it's the girl that Eric broke up with two weeks ago, supposedly. Cursed yeah, so this sociopath is taking down two birds with one stone, with one lie, basically. I mean, but Veronica could just ask Kirsten about this, so I, I don't right, know. Right, but but I but I get but this is more to show like the kind of person Eric right. is. Right, and uh, Chris sees it and he calls him a uh, duplicitous asterisk sign, blah blah blah. You know how they cover up uh, swear words in Marvel comics. Um, and so the so what's up? It's the next evening, and I guess Chris still hasn't figured out how to get back to normal mm-hmm. size. Mm-hmm. Uh, hasn't tried to communicate with anyone about this, do anything. Right. Like, he could, like, write something somewhere. I'm sure they'd have, like, a whiteboard somewhere. Yeah, I, I mean, know. he could do that. He could go type on a he keyboard. Could, I mean, surely he could go find someone. Like, I, again, I don't know exactly 100% how... Where's Hank Pym? Yeah, I mean, he could try to find him or anyone. Just be like, hey, agent, you know, nobody. I'm down here. I need your help. And then... He, he could just go back to the lab and just like wait on the table for Hank Pym to wake up and Hank Pym would see him. And I mean, does S.H.I.E.L.D. have nowhere to locate the suit? <laughs> that's, like, that's a good point, too. That's a very good point. Um, I mean, it <laughs> did Eric hit Hank Pym so hard that he's in a coma right now? <laughs> I guess so. All right. So we turn the page and now we're in the present day. And uh, the woman that Ant-Man slash Eric... Um, saved at the very beginning of the issue is waiting in a nice restaurant and uh, up comes uh, Eric and he says uh, oh I'm Ant-Man can you keep a secret and then that is the end of the issue Um, anything to add on this the bookend here I actually like the end a lot Um, I like the whole thing like oh okay because how does eventually Eric get the suit or is he just lying Mm -hmm. again you know, but then how does how would he know like about Chris saving him if Chris is one with the suit? So I actually do like the ending a lot and how it kind of leaves like a it's a very, uh, you know, sorry, folks, we're out of time. Monday Night Show ending where, you know, <laughs> the tape machines are running. <laughs> the tape machines are running. Uh, and then next week, Monday Night Show starts off with like a match of El Dandy versus uh, Van Hammer. And instead of picking or up, or even off, worse, but... it talks out. It starts off with twenty minutes of talking, and then they finally have the El Dandy match. Yeah, Eric Bischoff and Hulk Hogan come out and uh, talk about how great yeah. they are. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I thought the ending was uh, was really good. Actually, I really I really like the way it ended. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, yeah, I think. Um, 
you know, uh, Robert Kirkman has an interesting way of telling, um, uh, you know, superhero stories. For sh- I mean, obviously, he has the sort of success to prove it. But, um, uh, yeah, I mean, for a first issue, for it to, like, end on this note, it definitely makes you want to read more, um, for sure. Um, yeah, I will say it left, well... I don't know if I'd want to read more. It makes me want to go look up on Wikipedia how he gets. <laughs> or sick. listen to some <laughs> douchebag YouTuber spoil everything for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anything that doesn't involve me reading the next wow, issue. <laughs> wow. I'm going to tell Robert Kirkman when we become pals someday in the future. Um, so okay. are you ready to render your verdict? Yes, sir, I am. <laughs> okay. question. All right. So uh, Agent uh, Velasquez uh, of uh, the surveillance sector of um, (laughs) of S.H.I.E.L.D., Uh, do you think that uh, the irredeemable Ant-Man should be remembered for all of human history or tossed in the black hole of obscurity never to be heard from again? You know, I hate to make a decision based on just one issue when it's like this because it feels like act one you Mm. know so it is a little hard but uh there were so many things i disliked about this uh i was shocked at how many things i disliked (laughs) about this the only thing i liked was how it ends um the i mean i i liked some of the ideas like setting up this guy as being a jerk i think that's great have your super your superhero be kind of an asshole um but there's so many plot holes. There's so many things that don't make sense. And it's weird to me that like Kirkman spent so much time on so much dialogue that could have been made shorter and then doesn't explain other things that seem way more important <laughs> to the plot. And, and, I, and then I just got mad at like the way he used, you know, uh, the amount of words he used. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say... I'm going to say no. This is a no for me. This is an obliterate. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, as you know, I uh, I like it. I mean, reading it again, even with its flaws, I really enjoy it. I love a, I love a good premise. I could see if you're not a, like, seasoned Marvel reader and you just want to read, like, regular Ant-Man, this is not the book for you. If you're a uh, longtime, like, Marvel reader and you want to see, like, a... Uh, sort of like a skewed take on Ant-Man and also while at the same time sort of looking at the the lower levels of S.H.I.E.L.D., which I believe has never really been tackled before. Like um, this would really interest like the longtime Marvel reader because it's just something you don't uh, hear about or even like, you know, or get to read about uh, within the, um, the halls of the Marvel Universe. So, uh, you know, I could see how a casual fan, uh, this would not uh, sit well for them. Um, but uh, but I still love it. So, man, it's been a long... And, you, and you've and you read the whole run yes. also. So you have, like, I don't know, like, I mean, as far as I know, like, I, I might love the rest of the mm-hmm. issues. So this is just my opinion on this one issue. And, you know, usually you have uh, very good opinions when it comes to comedy. Or at least we, we, we tend to agree more than mm-hmm. disagree. So, you know, if you say the series is good, <laughs> then listener takes Steve's advice. <laughs> Uh, you're so polite. It's all right if you don't like it. It's okay. Um, but I'm the redeemable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, in that case, we've got ourselves a good old fashioned stalemate. Here we go. 
is like the responsible one, the smart one out of Eric and Chris, and then later have him be like, oh, okay, we just knocked out this guy. Let me try on the ant I don't. Suit. I wouldn't say that it was ever implied that he was uh, smarter. Oh, Veronica implies that he's like the responsible he, one. I'm, and Eric is the I mean, I think up. Veronica would, uh, would think that, of course, because that's the man that she's dating. Uh, Chris is a better person but he, I would say Chris is the one that like gets gets Eric up because Eric's Chris is up on. All time. right. A little bit. He's the one that's he, ready. But they're both still rookies and he's still pretty gullible and allows himself to be manipulated by Eric. Uh, like otherwise. Right. But and, and that felt completely out of character to me because, OK, so we've got Veronica's with him because he's like more responsible mm-hmm. than Eric. Or at least that's one of the reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, it's at least one of the reasons that she wouldn't date Eric. So that makes you got to think, okay, Chris has got to be responsible in her eyes. Earlier when they're playing poker, Mitch says, hey, Chris, I know you're good for it tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Again, implying that Chris is the responsible one that can be counted on. Chris is the one that's up on time, up early enough to go wake up Eric and still have him be on mm-hmm. time for their their shift. And so don't so don't spend all this time telling me that he's like the good one. And then have him do something so stupid. Like, it felt completely out of character. Right. I mean, okay. So, is it, does it not make sense for him to be responsible, but also gullible? Uh, to be, allow himself to be manipulated um, by Eric? I just don't think he would have done that after they had just encountered this issue of knocking out Hank Pym. <laughs> you know? Now, I think what they should have done is like if they really wanted to do it this way, what I would have done, and listen to me, I've written zero comic books, uh, is I would have Hank Pym walks out the room. They don't know what to do. Like maybe Eric and Chris kind of freak out, but they don't do anything because they were told do nothing. And after Hank Pym like walks out, like, oh, God, should we have stopped him? Blah, blah, blah. I don't know. He didn't see what to do. Maybe we should see what's in there. They go into the lab. They see the suit. And that's when you know Chris can kind of be goaded into trying it on. So he tries it on, Hank Pym walks in, and then Eric freaks out, hits him with the gun. And now you can still like do every all the beats you needed to without like making Chris do something way out of character. Yeah, those I mean that's a good point. I I mean I'm trying to imagine like what went on. Like maybe they didn't have a the editor. I was gonna this. yeah, I was gonna say that maybe <laughs> they didn't have a strong editor at the time, or they were just like Oh, according to Robert Kirkman, in his little letter at the end, they've got the best editor ever. <laughs> they always say that. <laughs> yeah, they do. What are you going to do? Be like, oh, my editor's shit. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, uh, I guess we'll just have to agree. I'll send Kirk- I'll send Robert some notes. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine if I just sent him an email? Notes on Aaron Duval Iron Man. Or Ant-Man. <laughs> Ant-Man. Ant-Man, number, number one. First, change the title. Make this an Iron Man book, number one. Well, this was a great discussion, uh, regardless. Um, so, um, I mean, if there's anything, if there isn't anything else to add, we're, uh, I guess that's our show for the day, huh? Yeah. I, I might read number issue number two because I am curious. Well, I think, uh, well, I mean, one of the big things that Robert was like uh, pushing when, because, 
when he was being interviewed about this series is like, oh, you know, Eric, the irredeemable Ant-Man is like, you know, he's a real sleazebag. Like one of the things that he does is use the suit to shrink down so he can watch, at the time, Miss Marvel, now she's known as Captain Marvel, uh, shower. <laughs> and, that, and that scene, it, it does happen. I mean, of course, like, you know, things are covered and stuff. But uh, but yeah, he's a, he's a real slime ball. Um, but, uh, and it might be worth it to, I mean, I'm almost interested to read it again to see if it uh, holds up um, for me in 20, what is it, 23? <laughs> Yes, um, but uh, but well, either way, it was a it was a made for a good discussion. And, for sure, uh, that's what's that's I'm sure what Kirkman wrote <laughs> for dudes to discuss on the on YouTube slash podcast about 100. percent Yeah, I'm sure that's that, that's his reason. All right, well, uh, thank you for joining us, uh, everyone. Uh, well, if you enjoy comics as we do. Uh, you might want to check out the comic book I wrote, uh, Escape to Earth. I'm gonna, I'll run the promo once we uh, end here, and there'll be a link in the description where you can order issue uh, number one. Uh, but uh, please uh, join us uh, next Sunday as we continue to unearth even more obscure media only on Obscurity Now. See you next week. I'm having a weird, weird day. The name's Adam. Where I'm from, I'm known as the Zero Thief. Depending on who you ask, some might say I'm the best thief. But believe it or not, even the best screws up every once in a while. And that's what I did, and I had to make a fast getaway. I ended up crash landing on this bizarre planet. Turns out, I didn't get away fast enough. These winged freaks followed me here. It's just us here, Zero Thief, on this empty backwards planet. So start talking, either to me or my blade. Okay, okay, I do have something to tell you. It's about the planet. It's not that empty. Come on, man. I thought you were going to die. Come on, Lewis. Cut me loose. Behind you. Whoa. Thought I was done for. It was going to be a light snack for a snarling creature. But then she showed up riding on the back of one of those monsters like it was nothing. And with a wave of her hand, the other razor-toothed beast just stomped away. I'd never seen anyone like her before in my life. I thought I'd say something clever. Thanks, uh, have you seen my ship? She gave me a look that said more than words ever could, because I think she was trying to read my mind or something. And from there, things just got even weirder. Issue 2, crowdfunding now. You've been enjoying Obscurity Now, a podcast that's recorded live to tape and streamed to Twitch and YouTube. Subscribe so you never miss an episode or hilarious quip. Take us with you by following the download links provided in the show notes to wherever you get podcasts. And take notice of our various social media links. If that's what you're into, I'm not here to judge. And make sure you join us live next week at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific as we continue to discuss more obscure media only on Obscure Now.